Hi, this is Danny Bolt, and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. My name's Matt Wachler. The UK is basking in a heatwave, also known as summer. There's just a couple of weeks ago before the start of the new championship season, so we've got something a little different for you this time. The term financial fair play, or FFP, is one we've all used in the past when discussing our team, but how many of us really know what it means? And I mean really know. One man who does is longtime Fulham fan Tristan Potterichich, who boasts a career in football finance, reporting and analysis under his belt. So Danny and I are going to pick his brains. Let's crack on. Right, well, firstly, Tristan, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? How's your summer been, mate? Yeah, good, busy. Um, not uh, moved jobs quite recently, so uh, yeah, just just trying to crack on with a new new role. Um, but yeah, busy, nice and warm. Um, look, looking forward to enjoying a bit of time with the kids in the next few weeks. Nice stuff, mate. And Danny, are you well, mate? Yeah, I'm always well. Yeah, how you doing? Um, yeah, been looking forward to this one. It's been a long time. Uh, come in. We've been planning this for a few months now. Uh, I speak to Tristan quite a lot, uh, mostly about Fulham and financial fair players come up once or twice and he's tried to explain it to me and, and to be honest with you, I, I, I kind of grasp bits of it and I can assure the listeners that if anybody knows financial fair play, we've got the man on the show and it's not Matt Bosclair. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hope, hopefully we it's a good educational show and at the end of it, we all understand FFP a little bit better. Lovely stuff. All right, well, let's get into it then. So, Tristan, can you start by explaining a bit about yourself and how you came to be so knowledgeable about financial fair play, please? Yeah, so, I, I mean, my my, my background work-wise is, is, is over 20 years of finance, um, so finance and accounting. Within that, um, work for DCMS, Department of Culture, Media and Sport, um, and, and, and have done, you know, a, a fairly extensive amount of audit um, in terms of auditing um, football club accounts. So, so, so obviously, I've, I think with financial fair play, you have to have a, an, an understanding not only, not only of how accounts themselves work, you know, how to read a profit and loss account and a balance sheet, but also, you, you, you know, some of the accounting practices that happen within football so I've got that through a working background um and and, and I've also done a lot of, of kind of analytical work on the side as well so um yeah fair, fair, fairly strong background there um and and I've just kept up since I've been out of um working specifically in in football audit I've, I've kept up with all the rules and regulations and obviously still have contacts who, who do still work in the industry so yeah pr- pretty up to speed with it Nice one. And how long have you been supporting Fulham? I've I've seen you and never spoken to you, but I've seen you literally all of my Fulham support in life, which goes back to the late 80s. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, basically my entire life. So my 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 mum and dad were were attendees from the early 60s. Um, actually, my dad from the 50s. But yeah, my mum from the early 60s. And, and I grew up with Saturday being football, you know, dragged to the yeah. cottage, kicking and screaming. Formative years were with us being absolutely atrocious and kind of started going regular 
um, on my own as, as my parents' kind of attendance started to lapse a bit. Home and away from from kind of the late eighties, early nineties. I was I was you, you know when we were in the bottom division, I was there for pretty much every game home and away. So yeah, yeah, a long time, a long time suffering. Um, yeah. Best best part of 35, 40 years now. Hardcore Fulham elite, nice one, mate. All right, well, what exactly is financial fair play, and what are the considerations a club has to make around it? So. Now there's a lot of there's a lot of theories about why financial fair play was brought in. I think fundamentally it was brought in to try and safeguard clubs from going down the Portsmouth route, from 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 really spending beyond their means. Um, what I would say with that is that when when you have a club that's underpinned like we have been over the last couple of ownerships by uh, a, an owner with a lot of, of of money and a lot of cash. Um, it, it, it does work against us because we, we, we don't get the full benefit of that and we have to keep within these restrictions. So it's a mechanism that's been put in. It has been refined and it's constantly refined. And I think that's where people do get a little bit lost with it. Um, when we first went down to the championship and it became a bit of an issue, they actually did it on a one-year basis. So you, you, you effectively um, you had an allowance. So financial fair play is basically... The, the the easy way to, to to explain it, you look at what you if you look at a club's operating loss, they're allowed to lose a certain amount of money that the the owner can fund. Anything over that amount of money, that they've exceeded financial fair play. In the championship now, the current rule is thirteen point five million a season. So, if you make a, a an operating loss of twenty million in the championship then you're going to be very, very tight with financial play. Now, there are things within that operating loss that can be discounted. Things like academy costs, they they, they can be taken out. Anything that flows through with, with capital or infrastructure costs. So people talk about, well, how are we spending all this money on the stand or is spending money on the stand impacting financial fair play? It's absolutely not. It's a capital cost. It doesn't come under the restrictions. They're, they're, they're solely the operating stuff and primarily... It's your, your your cost of players, your staff, your your, your day to day running costs. Um, but as I say, it's set that you're 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 allowed thirteen point five million pounds of loss in the championship. Where it gets a bit confusing is that 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 changes division to division. Premier League, you're allowed kind of thirty five million, so it, it, it's a different scale. You're you're allowed almost three times as much, and that's why it it exacerbates the gap between the Championship and the Premier League because not only do you get loads more revenue in the Premier League, but you're also allowed to make a, a, a larger loss as well. And, and, and that that's why we're seeing now that financial gap between the leagues growing and growing. So, so based on what you're saying there, obviously the, the, the gap between the Championship and the Premier League is getting bigger and bigger because um, the tolerance that you're allowed to, to stay within it is a lot greater in the Premier League. What what I find quite unfair, uh, or obviously, admittedly, with hindsight, the hundred million we spent uh, back in 2018 it looks ridiculous now. But at the time, it looked ambitious. It looked like we was actually uh, after staying within the rules in the Championship and getting promoted, we was now trying to take that next leap and trying to establish ourselves in the Premier League. And in order to do that, I think, in general, you do need to invest money in a team to improve it. 
it just seems a bit unfair that it didn't work out. We got relegated, and now all of a sudden, the last three or four years has has seen us sort of being punished, or uh, that's that's being taken into account with how we're you know trying to get around financial fair play in the championship. It's not. I don't think that's fair. You know, how can you compare that with what a Luton Town is doing, who, who didn't weren't a Premier League club in the first place? You know. Are you supposed to transition from a Premier League club to a championship that quickly, financially? So so it's a good question. And that's actually one of the reasons why they changed it. So as I said in the answer to the first question, they used to do it so it was a one-year thing, right? Now it's three-year. Now you get a three-year rolling figure. So basically, if you think of those 13 million, 35 million, whatever, and add them together for three years. So at the moment, the season that we're coming into... We'll have two allowances for championships and we'll have last season from the Premier League. So that'll be what our allowance is. So it's two times 13, 26 plus 35. So about 60, 61 million will be the allowable loss for that three-year period. And that that's that's where it sits. And what that what the aim of that to do was actually, yeah, when clubs have got relegated, it gives a bit more of a transition. Don't forget as well, Dan, that you've got the para, pa, uh, parachute payments um, that you get when you're relegated from the Premier League as well, which are, which are meant to dull the impact of relegation and, and indeed the financial fair play restrictions. I think we, we, we might talk about it in a bit more detail later, but the reason that that particular summer really is biting or has bitten is, is the way that transfers are actually done. And I think this is the one of the biggest fundamental misunderstandings by the, the, the football fan base in terms of kind of what what players cost and and how the figures work. And I think that's not being said in in, in a way that's critical of anyone, because why would people know, right? It's a bit, it's it's a little bit complicated, but effectively when you buy a player and let's just use really simple figures, you buy a player for 10 million, that 10 million doesn't go into the accounts for the season you buy him in. It gets spread over the term of the contract. So when that initial contract is signed, if you sign a player on a four-year contract for £10 million, you will only pay, or from an accounting point of view, you will only have £2.5 million going into your your, your accounts in year one. Two and a half in year two, two and a half in year three, two and a half in year four. So what it means, and let's 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 use an extreme example from that summer, if you look at the 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 Lamarchand and Seri transfer which was reported to be 30 million you know between the two and there's all sorts of stuff there with how that 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 transfer was arranged I don't particularly want to go beyond what's been reported in the press on that um but the press have suggested that it was arranged that actually the bulk of the fee went to Lamarchand um at, at, at the selling club's behest because the, because of bonuses and stuff like that so if you take that account in isolation, 30 million, both players on four-year contracts, it means you've got seven and a half million a year going into the account. What that means is that for this coming season, we are still paying seven and a half million in transfer fees for Maxime Lamarchon and Jean-Michael Serry, who basically haven't kicked a football for us in two years. And we've had that seven and a half million go into our accounts last season and the season before and the season before that as well. And it's signings like that that really hit you with financial fair play because what what you can do if you've got a Mitrovic, for example, and you, you you sign him and you've got the same thing, this staggered payment, if we sell him this summer for 20 million, 
then we write off what's left to go in the balance sheet. And then you make a bit of a profit on, on it as well. With Seri and Lamarchon, if we'd have sold them last year, we'd have actually ha- had to, uh, assuming we were going to sell them at a loss, we'd have had to carry forward and bring forward any future debt that remained on that transfer. So it actually means selling these players or getting them off the books from a salary point of view becomes really, really tricky to navigate. And that's one of the problems from that summer is that we ended up with a lot of players on our books that actually, in retrospect, because of whatever reason, you know, you, you, you unfortunately, Mawson's had the injuries and stuff like that, but are significantly lower value than they were at the purchase time. And 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 that just flows through, as I say, with this, like, it's amortisation is how they how it's described as that flows through the book. So, you, you know, that that's really what's killing us now and, and, and will do for this year. After this year, all of that has pretty much cleared out. Um, I don't, I can't think of any players that were, were on five-year contracts. So I think everything's cleared out from that. We've then got, you, you know, bits and pieces from the following couple of seasons. But we, as everyone's aware, haven't spent loads and loads um, in, in the last couple of seasons. So that all amortisation figure will lower as we continue. The, the, the one point I'd make on that, 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 that's the real shocking point, is that we've effectively, over the last couple of seasons, we've had £45 million go into our accounts, into our loss for transfer fees that were related to, to, to seasons before. And that's happened two seasons in a row. This season's going to be similar. And that's why, you know, we're in the position we're currently in. Is there any benefit to... Or from an accountant, from a from an accounting point of view, of signing somebody like Seri on a, on a long term contract, or is that just oh well, we've got this amazing player, let's just tie him down? No, I think I, th- I think it well for, for the exact reasons that I've just described. I think that's why you generally see mm-hmm. when we sign players for big money, we sign them for four or five years, and and, yeah. and it's because you're you're you know if you sign a ten million pound on a two year contract, you've got a, you're spending five million in year one. If you spot, yeah. sign a ten million player on a five year contract, you're spending two, and that's you, you you know I think that's that's a lot of our transfer strategy, or certainly seems to be. The only contracts we tend to offer are, are for players that have sorry that are, are shorter, are for players that haven't haven't cost as much to start with. So I think it's it feels. I mean, it could be coincidence. I, I'm not Tony Khan, but it, it, it feels certainly from what we see that that appears to be a strategy. And 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 you know, from a from a short term point of view, not a bad one. The problem is, is that if you don't get the results and you don't stay in the Premier League, for example long term you're saddling yourself with debt and that's that's really the issue where we have we wouldn't we we wouldn't be having this conversation had we stayed up that first season we'd we'd be we'd be fine because we'd be getting all the revenue from the premier league to offset that amortization but it was the fact that we got relegated straight away that that, that really made it so bad all right well i mean looking at this from another angle then we we talked about the players we spent a lot of money on but then we've got players that are like the fringe players, the ones that make up the numbers, for me, are the reason why we're in this cycle of being a yo-yo club because they're, they're neither, they're barely good enough for the championship, let alone good enough for the Premier League. Players like Cabano, um, what Lamarchand, we, we you've just touched on, Abu Kamara, another one. They seem to have been here forever, getting one-year contract extensions every so often. Why? Why do we prolong this why why don't we just get rid of them get them off the wage bill 
so that we can invest the money in in more Harrison Reeds. You know, surely by having them on the wage bill is just restricting the quality we can bring in in other areas. Yeah, I think I think there's the, the, it's difficult to argue against that. I think. It depends again on on what the club strategy is, right? Are they are they doing what we effectively did under Alfayed and buying a, a team that's you, you know Premier League red, ready, but is playing in the Championship? It doesn't feel like they are. There are components to it that that you you, you know might have been, but certainly the likes of Cabano, Kamara. I mean, I you, you know none of us work in the scouting team, but I, I haven't ever seen anything with. Those guys that, that that suggests they're they're premier ready, um, so 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 I think it's it, you know I would agree that we we we've got got that issue where we've got sort of squad fillers, but then equally you do you do need those, especially in the championship. They're not. I, I think I think Kamara at five million, the reported fee, felt like a little bit too much of a punt. Um, I, I think Cabano was less, you know, I think we've had other players like that, IET, etc. that I think for a couple of million, they're better. And actually, it, it's probably a better strategy than, than than the other side of the coin, which we've done a lot, which is seeing a load of loan players come in, because that creates this perpetual need to keep signing players. The 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 long the long answer to what you're saying as I'm coming round to it is that I actually think it's that loan strategy that's meant we've had to keep doing that. The reason is every season, if you look at our squad makeup, we've generally got six or seven players on loan. So they they finish at the end of the season, they go back to their clubs and straight away we need to replace them with another six or seven players. Now, if you're having to replace them plus these fringe players that, that we're discussing, you've got five or six of those. It, 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 it's too big a rebuilding job. You're talking about bringing 12, 13 players in at a time. So rather than do that, it feels like they're topping the squad up with these one, two-year extensions for players who are going to serve a purpose in the championship. But beyond that, um, you, you, you know, they're, they're actually probably going to sit there and not even be in the squad in the Premier League. So it's a double-edged sword, but I can understand why they're doing it. And I think it's a problem with a loan. All right, mate, let's move on. Um, if a club doesn't adhere to financial fair play, what are the repercussions? We're talking point deductions, massive fines, etc. And also, if a, if a club gets a massive fine for not adhering to financial fair play, does that get taken into consideration with the, the next season's financial fair play as well? How does that get kind of offset? Yeah, it's a, it, it, so absolutely. Points deductions were brought in when they made the change to... Um, the the going from one year to three year. There was another change as well, which was quite important, which is that so club so, so club financial accounts are produced um, usually around May June the following year. So we've just we've just had ours produced for the that uh, they've just come out um, for for the promotion season. Um, and and what that means is that historically they couldn't make financial fair play judgments in terms of penalties until like a year afterwards. And what what further complicates that is that Premier League and EFL have separate financial fair play rules. So the example I'm going to give, and the reason I'm saying that, is when Bournemouth went up, I used to read a lot, well, why aren't Bournemouth being punished? They fail financial fair play. The reason was they got promoted and the Football League couldn't couldn't punish them because they weren't in the Football League anymore. They were in the Premier League. The only thing they could do was fine them. 
And when you're in that situation, you you can't bring in the more draconian measures like, you, you know, transfer embargoes or points penalties because you're not the legislative figure. All you can do is 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 fine, which, you know, when you're in the Premier League, it's a drop in the ocean. Right. So to get around that, they, they put in another thing where we're actually clubs now have to to post um, predicted accounts, which are kind of up to date to a certain point in the season and then show a forecast for the rest of the season. They publish those in the March of the season. If there's any financial fair play flags on that, then it gets raised to the EFL and they'll be audited, you, you know, with further scrutiny. If you're you're shown a year down the line that your forecast was miles out and you ended and it looked like you were going to be okay with financial fair play and you failed it, then the punishments become more draconian. But what what it's what it's done is it's meant it's giving them the ability to actually punish clubs in year. And we've seen in the last couple of seasons, clubs hit with 10, 12 point fines as a result. If you think back historically three years ago before they, they switched the rules, you never used to see that. It was transfer embargoes and it was punishments. So absolutely right, Matt. The, the three main things are those points deductions, transfer embargo or a fine, um, probably in that order, in, in order of seriousness. Um, but the, the each um each set of financial fair play rules has its has its own limits. The reason I, I mention as well about the championship and the, the, the Premier League having separate rules, it I I'll throw a further one in there as well. UEFA also have financial fair play rules which which are separate. So what happens with those is any club that gets into Europe has to adhere to European financial fair play rules. They're not going to be the same as their league financial fair play rules, which they'll also have to hit. So, say Europe is fifty million loss, you could qualify for Europe, make a forty-five million loss, and not fall foul of financial fair play from a UEFA point of view, but you could still fall foul of it in the Premier League, and they're all run completely separately. So. That's I think where people get a bit confused. They talk about you know you saw in the papers that. UEFA, for example, have made relaxations for COVID and stuff like that. And I've seen all over Twitter, oh, we don't need to worry about FFP because UEFA have relaxed it for COVID. UEFA's relaxation of it is nothing to do with the EFL one and doesn't affect us. So, you know, we need to bear those things in mind as well when we're looking at it. They're all separate legislatively. But but doesn't that make it a bit of a fast though? I mean, because the, cl- the clubs that are, are representing in UEFA competitions will be in the top divisions of European countries. So why, you know, same with VAR. VAR, we saw at the Euros, was used completely differently to the way it is in the Premier League with con- completely different outcome. Why, why isn't the UEFA rules and the, and the top flight rules for all across Europe the same? So that, can't, there isn't, there isn't this confusion. Because of the discrepancy with money, mate. You, you you know, if you look at the prize money and the TV money that goes into the Premier League, it's vastly different to, you, you know, let's not even talk about Big Five, but let's let, let's pluck a, you know, Slovakian league or something something like that out of the air. You, you, you have to have a, a, a rule that is suitable for all of the con- countries that participate in UEFA but you're never going to find a universal rule that can then be applied to those separate leagues because the money that goes into them is just is, is vastly different. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but it will never work 
hundred percent, will it? In that respect, then no, they'll they'll, they'll always be one rule for one, another rule for another kind of thing. Yeah, there'll always be an element of that. You know, I've I've seen it with, you know, some of the smaller leagues where where clubs have been punished and banned from Europe, and then you see Man City got away with it last year. You know, etc. So, so, so there is an element of that. I'm just explaining why they've done it. I can't, um, <laughs> I can't say whether it's the right thing to do or not. <laughs> it's, all, it's, it's all Tristan's fault. It's all my fault. Blame the blame, blame the blame the half Serb. <laughs> well, we're blaming you for Jean-Michel Seri, are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm glad someone's finally held their hands up. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you can blame me for Seri, but do not blame me for Le Martian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Well, you mentioned Fulham's accounts just a moment ago. And are you able to explain at a high level, based on the most recently published accounts, how our, or what is our uh, current financial out- outlook? Yeah, uh, I've, I've got them open in front of me, actually. I, and, you, you, you know, obviously, I've, <laughs> being the geek I am, I've gone through them with a fine tooth comb since they were released a couple of weeks ago. And look, I think there's, there's two separate things here. We're obviously run by a very benevolent guy who's got a lot of money and you, you you know what I'm about to say might sound quite worrying we're not in any financial danger we're you, you you know we've got a chairman that can can fund the loss we're making however yeah if you looked at Fulham as an organization just and and forgot all of that it, it it's pretty poor right so we made uh, a loss before player, um, be, be, be before the player um, uh, sal- that came back into it. Basically, the the, the player transfers came back in. Um, the the transfer that fell into that was the Sessignon one, which looks like it was kind of low twenty, low to mid twenty million. Now, when when you look just purely from a top level view, this is this is for the the promotion season. Obviously, it's too early for the Premier League season. So that the, these are the latest accounts. They were published um, end of June. Our turnover was 58 million. Now, if you compare that to the previous season in the Premier League, that was 138 million. So straight away, you can see what a massive drop you, you go Premier League to, to, to Championship. That's with parachute payments in there. So 80 million, completely written off of the turnover. The staff costs, which is predominantly your salary, but all adding, you know, your national insurance and the other bits and pieces, pension payments, etc. That was 72.6 million. So we spent on salaries and staff costs alone, 14 million more than we made total turnover. And again, if you compare that to the previous Premier League season, that was 138 million turnover and 92 million staff costs. So although the staff costs have dropped, They've only dropped by about twenty percent, whereas the, the the turnover has has dropped by quite well. It's 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 less than half. So you know that you, you can see the scale of the discrepancy there straight away. And what that means is that you're left with a net operating loss before any of the player amortisation, um, transfer costs, etc., of thirty three million. So you, you you know that's pretty astonishing. And and actually, if if you look at where we were in that picture of the Premier League. And again, you, you, you know, shows what a big difference between the two. We actually were still in profit at 22 million um, when, when you look at that net operating loss. So really, really stark straight away. Um, this, sorry to interrupt you, mate. Is this kind of performance in line with most clubs in our position? You know, clubs that go up, go down, like, like the, the your typical yo-yo club. 
No, it's significantly worse. And 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 the reason. Right. So I, I think our revenue, Premier League revenue, was is is quite toppy for that sort of club. It's it's high end. Um, not I, I, we we seem to do pretty well when you compare like for like in terms of sponsorships and stuff like that. So we we top up a little bit there. Um, but in terms of yeah, that when you then go down to the Championship. Most most sides that get relegated from the Premier League, if unless they've literally spent no money, um, they're 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 going to make a loss. But they don't make the sort of loss that, that we're talking about generally. We're, we're we're pretty. I think the only one that's been comparable in recent years, straight after relegation, was Villa, who who, who weren't far off at all. And actually, I think they were worse than us um, in some cases. But that that that's where we are. Um, yeah, we 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 we're, we're pretty bad in that in that regard. Um, you've then got the, the the next bit, which is uh, they call it and the line and the accounts. And you, these accounts, by the way, just a shout out to everyone, they are completely free to look at. You have to understand what you're looking for, but it's not overly complicated. Um, and if you go, if you just literally do a Google search, Fulham Football Club accounts, you're, the top link that will come up will be one that, that, that takes you into the filing information and then at the top of that, you, you, you're, you're then in company's house, effectively. Um, at the top of that is the full accounts made up to 30th of June 2020. And you can download a PDF and it's completely free. So none of this is is stuff that's not in the in the public domain. Um, the, the, so so, so, so we've, we've got that sort of circa £33 million um, loss before we start getting into depreciation and amortisation. As I say, year on year at the moment, we're 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 between forty and forty-five million. It was forty-one million last year, um, forty-three million the, the previous season. But what that then means is that you've got an operating loss after those things are taken into account, and that's the line really to be to be more worried about of seventy-five million. So seventy-five million loss. Now we did have the unusual situation of had in, uh, being able to add in. Um, you, you know, a, a reasonable sum for transfers. And, and as I say, it was the Sessignon one, really, that, that made up the bulk of that. 25.3 million going back into the accounts. Um, so that makes the final position in the accounts a loss for the year, about 49 million. So when you when you take into account that it should be 13.5 million, otherwise you're in FFP trouble, it, it, it's a big gap. Now, some of that gap, is going to be filled by um, the, the the things like the running of the academy stuff like that. That can be sort of five to seven million. Some of it is going to be um, actually recoverable because we're we're allowed to claim for losses against COVID. So for when the gate receipts which which were, were were you know down to zero, um, deferred TV revenue stuff like that. I, I saw there's a guy called the Swiss Rambler who does a good summary on on Twitter. If you you, you ever see his stuff floating about, he's estimating for Fulham that would be about ten million this year. I think that's quite punchy. I, I I was I was kind of before I'd read his stuff. I was thinking about seven million, but it's going to be in that kind of ballpark. I think overall from that that forty forty nine million, you 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 might get twenty million back um, in in those kind of things things that can be disallowed from from the loss but you're still significantly over and this is where we're very lucky that we've got a rolling figure because actually if you look at where we were the previous season the, the Premier League season um, 
we actually had a loss before interest in taxation that season of, of only 20 million with a 35 million allowance. So we, we've, we've, we've used up most of what, what we had left over from, from that season. But actually amalgamating the three seasons together, the, 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 the uh, Jukanovic promotion season, the first Premier League campaign, the Parker um, ca- campaign, that, that leaves us um, against financial fair play, I reckon somewhere between three and four. And I, again, the, the, the Swiss Rambler post is saying about eight million. He reckons leeway. I, I'm, I reckon a bit lower. I reckon three to four. Um, either way, that's effectively without any sales. That's that's what we're looking at that we can spend right at the moment. So there's not loads and loads of funds there, and I think that's what people need to be a bit cautious of this summer. Expecting you know loads and loads of signings. Um, I, I I can't see it happening. I, I think we we'd have to be quite quite creative, or we'd need to sell some players to to, to really sign um, players on big money. Now the one thing I would say is that obviously we've talked about the amortisation. Um, and the way that works. So in theory, you could do what we described earlier, sign a 10 million player on a five-year contract. It's 2 million a season. It's not going to take us over the financial fair play limit, but we haven't got a lot of that to even that to play with in reality. So I, I think that that's where we stand at the moment. The only other thing I'd add here, and, and I think it's a really important thing to add, is that I, I hear a lot of people talking about... Um, you, you, you know the the calms in terms of oh they're they're they're, be, they're being tight on spending or they're pocketing parachute money is one of the one of one of the ones I hear from time to time or you know oh we can't spend money on players because of the stand guys you're par- barking up the wrong tree massively with that all you have to do is look to the bottom of the balance sheet and you can see that the, you know our accumulated loss under under the calms has been you you, you know three to four hundred million pounds that accumulated loss Shahid Khan's written that back so he's basically there's a way of moving that off your balance sheet basically covering it and writing off the debt where you convert it to equity and he's you'll see these these press releases now and again saying oh he's done this for 60 million he's done this for 100 million that's what he's doing he's basically saying look as a football club we've lost these hundreds of millions I'm I, I'm going to take that personally. I'm going to write it off so the club's not in in saddled with long term debt. So um, I just 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 reiterate what I was saying. Um, you know, the, the, as, as I say, the Khans have, have have written off you know hundreds of millions of pounds. I, I think we worked out it, it was it was approximately sort of five or six percent of his entire net worth. Um, you, you, you know, he, he's written off running the club, which isn't a an insubstantial amount. Now you can certainly argue that it's not all been well spent um, and that there could be, you know, ways of spending the money better. But the, the one thing that, that, that is, is beyond any, any, any question is, you, you know, his financial commitment to the club. Um, and these figures that we're talking about, by the way, they're not as well at the moment. So you're talking kind of 300 million plus written off without all the capital infrastructure that's going in as well. So no question about the financial commitment, but, you, you, you know, what, what we do have at the moment is a bit of a, a sticky problem with financial fair play. I think when when you look at the the, 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 the overall situation with, you, you know, our, our, our money flow through, it is so important for us to be in the Premier League. And I know, Matt, when we 
we we were sort of having a little backwards and forwards the other night, and 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 you you know I think we both agreed that it's not really from from a football from an on pitch point of view. Actually, you know, being in the Premier League is a bit is it, it got it even got a bit boring in, under Fayed when we were there for thirteen years. It was it was the same kind of results most seasons and, and and not much variation from it and the excitement was waning a bit. I think the only counter to that I'd make is that where what we've got, and you can see it there by looking at kind of our incumbent salary and stuff like that, is that if we're not in the Premier League, then ultimately there, there would be a position where we'd have to fire sale any of our decent players and we would have very little money to play with. And that's the reason why we need to keep bouncing back there um, I, I, you know, I actually think it's going to be quite sticky if we don't get up this year. Um, I think next year could be quite, quite tricky going by what the accounts are currently saying. Is there any way in which you could see us keeping hold of the likes of Seri, Angisa, Mitrovic, you know, all the, the big names, the big earners, if you like, or the bigger, the bigger earners this season in the championship, or are they likely to be just completely disregarded and got off the books? No, I think we could, I th- look. I think we'll be able to keep hold of some of them. Um, I think you know potentially we could we could keep hold of the bulk of them. I, I, I'd expect that you, you know Seri. I don't know how much we'd get for him, but you 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 you'd probably if he's not going to play and he hasn't been playing, you know, when he has been at the club, I think you'd want his salary off the the. So, so I think you know potentially you could be looking at another loan out there. I th- it's interesting. I think I'd be more, to be honest, we, we talked about the amortization and the, the re- residual value of that that's in our accounts that's going to flow through this year. So, you know, that would have to come off the profit from selling any of those players that were signed in that spree. I think the, 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 the one that I've seen that I would be kind of interested in, and I'll be a bit controversial here because he's not a bad player, um, is, is, is Robinson. You know, I think you sign a player for a couple of million. Um, he's not going to have loads of residual costs sat there. We've got a very, very good, some would say better replacement. You know, um, obviously old, uh, the, the Man United lad that recently put on Instagram that Joe Bryan was his, his toughest opponent would, would agree with me. You know, we've got a perfectly adequate replacement there. And actually all of that money, all of that profit on the transfer can be used to offset and to to, to, to pay for salaries. It's none of that's going really against amortisation because it was such a small transfer in the first place. So I think that one would make sense. And realistically, you know, we probably do need a little bit of trimming. Three or four players need to, we've got, when I look through the squad list, I think we've got 28 players on the squad list. We can only register 25. So at least three of those are going to be sat around, not, not even able to play apart from in cup competitions. So to me, I think, you know, you'd want to get rid of three or four and then, Again, counter to what I've said, probably top it up with a couple of loans. Um, and and actually, our squad should be fine then. Tris, um, just before we move on, uh, you said, you mentioned about how much uh, Shahid is having to to write off every year to sort of like balance the books. How much? Oh, it's, it's subjective, of course. It's just your opinion. But how much do you put? Us not being, not achieving, assembling a squad that's good enough to stay in the Premier League. How much do you put that down to bad decision making, and how much of it do you put down to FFP? 
I don't think FFP would be a problem without the bad decision making. I think it's pretty simple, right? There's there's plenty of other clubs that operate with the same restrictions with probably not a lot more revenue and in some cases less and managed to navigate it well enough. So I, I, I think it, it's a bit of both. I mean, you know, Shai Khan can't do what Mohamed Al-Fayed did and just spend whatever he wants, um, whatever division we're in. He can't do that. He hasn't got that luxury. But equally, I, I would say, you, you know, there's def- definitely enough wiggle room to have made a much better fist of it. I think, and it's not just what we spent in that. I think that that was a bit of a scattergun approach and we, we, we brought in a lot of players and they didn't be seen. We, we, we still started the season with great big holes in the squad and, you know, I think that was, it, it was a bad, badly constructed, but I actually think, you know, the problems go back beyond that. And I think, you you, you know, if you look at other seasons and, and some of the players that we've, we've, we've brought in and that we've had and that we've spent money, you know, who who can forget the magical Spanish, Spanish midfielder Hoffabed, you know, he, I, I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, but he was signed, you know, five or six million came in, played, I think a, a handful of games you know the, the the Icelandic lad as well, Sigurdsson at the back was was signed off the back of, um, you you, you know was that his name? Oh God, am I getting his name wrong there? Was it Sigurdsson? Yeah, <laughs> My it mind's was, yeah. blank now. Yeah, Sigurdsson. Um, you know, again, he he, he played uh, about a third of a season and 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 didn't really live up. So I think we we were making those mistakes in the market, and and then. I, again, I, I, I say again, we're, we're compounding it by just relying so much on loans. I think the the, the first Jukanovic playoff season, I, we, we worked out that twenty eight percent of the squad was loanees, and and you just the, the problem with loanees is not only are you having to replace them, but they're actually a little bit of a false economy anyway, because what you end up with is something that has no residual value. You you, you know we can, we can't make any money off selling him. You generally pay. You, you you know a higher rate than you would via amortization and stuff like that through agent fees and through loan fees and all the rest of it and then that you can be held at the behest of certain clauses within it you know i i, I know there's been a couple of instances where where players you, you you know had to play a certain amount of games otherwise the transfer the the loan fee was ramped up and stuff like that not necessarily saying that at fulham but certainly when i was uh, uh, accounting it was something that you saw in 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 the backup quite often with, with clubs would do that so i would think it very unlikely that some of our loan situations weren't like that and i know there were rumors about ruben loftus cheek but i, I you know they're rumors but you you know that could be a reason why 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 certain players are having to play every week because there's a financial penalty if we're not and we're that close to ffp that we can't risk any any financial penalties on top of our running costs. So it's all a, a bit of a mix mash of the two things, Dan. But I, I firmly believe that, you know, if the strategy is better and, and, and we're run more effectively from a recruitment point of view, then FFP shouldn't really matter. There's enough headroom there. But, I mean, if we're that close to FFP in the first place and we're unsure if we're going to be in the Premier League I'm talking back to last season when we came back from lockdown. Mm. We we wasn't sure whether we was going to go up or not. It was still up in the air. Why did we complete the signing of Knockart and spend so much money on him only to then not play him the entire next season? He just went straight out on loan. It just 
Yeah, surely. And now that's going to be on the way um, uh, distributed over the next three or four years. And, and it, yeah, just we, seems, it just seems pointless for me. Well, it's well, not. Why so, do we do it? so there's two potential reasons from a financial point of view. There's two potential reasons. One could be that there was a clause in his in, in the loan contract that if we went up, we had to buy him for a pre-agreed amount. That that could be in there. there, there there's no. Um, there, there's nothing to say that, that, that clauses like that can't be in there. So I think you know that's a possibility. The other possibility is as well and I'll try and explain this because it's a little bit more complicated, is that effectively, if you have, and I'm not saying it was the case for Knockhart, but if you have a loan fee that is more than the than the one-year amortisation might be for that player, and you're really close to FFP, you might need to convert it to a permanent so that you don't pay that full loan fee. So if, if, if you look at it... Um, Let's say his loan fee was four million, right? It, it almost certainly wasn't. But let's say it was four million. We 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 then you, you you know have four million in year cost to pay. If that if 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 he's amortized on a four year contract and the transfer fee is ten million, then we only have two and a half million in year cost. Do you see what I'm saying? So you've got a, you've got one and a half million pounds of in year benefit by actually turning that loan to per, to, to permanent. What you're doing, of course, is you're loading the future with 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 even more you, you, you know cost that is is guaranteed and is there in the amortization flow through. But you're actually you know meaning that your accounts are looking better for the year you're in. So potentially that could be the way. As I say, the figures we're talking about were not cut. I don't think that's what we would have done there necessarily because I I, I, I can't see us having having to pay a big enough loan fee for that to be the case but it could be so there are these kind of financial workarounds that clubs will use um in in that sort of circumstance good stuff all right well let's move on because i think um lots of people's minds are going to be absolutely blown by by all this stuff so let, let's let's start to wrap up but before we go you've, you've mentioned already about how that it's going to be important for for fulham to to go up this season financially but what potentially are the repercussions if we don't um well i think i think a lot of those players that you're asking you know can we afford to stay to, to keep them it becomes no we can't i think i think very simply i think this is the this is the one one shot chance we have to keep um as many of those players as we want really together i think you could be into kind of fire sale position next year and even then you you know we 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 talked about the actual published salary costs in the accounts you know with with those sort of accounts and not no premier league uh, uh, sorry costs and no premier league revenue um you you know it's going to be very difficult not to hit ffp and don't forget it's a three year rolling figure and one of those years is going to be the one that we've just seen with a 40 odd million pound 48 million pound loss so we're already sat at deficit there so i i, I think you add all the all those two things together, it's not a great outlook if we don't go up this year. I think we'll really struggle. So essentially, this is a, a, a now or never kind of season. Yeah, and I think we've had a couple of them. I think the Yukanovich one was the last season of the parachute payments. I think we probably needed to go up then. Um, I think the Parker one, that was probably why there was so much pressure on him. So I think, you know, we've we've kind of gone last chance saloon a couple of times with this. And 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 that might be why it feels like the club are going a bit in poker terms all in on, on it sometimes, is because actually they 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 know that 
if we don't, it's going to be a bit of a struggle in in the, the following couple of years. Well, we, we just complete we just completed the hat trick of relegations from the Premier League. So fuck it, let's make it a hat trick of last chance saloons. Yeah, go for it. Why not? Do you think we're going to do it? Me? Yeah. Yeah. I, I look. I didn't with Parker. I think um, there 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 were there were issues with some of the squad that I think could be very useful for us this year. I don't think we'd be seeing Mitrovic this this coming season. I think other players, you know, the likes of Johansson, potentially we mentioned him earlier, Joe Bryan. I think you know that there, there's other players in there that might 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 have been looking to move on if 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 Parker had remained. I'm also not. I I was never 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 sold on Scott. I've never been. Um, you, you know, shy of saying that. I felt we were too defensive under him for the players we had. And I think, you know, what I'm hoping with a more attack-minded, uh, you know, le- less of the handbrake on type style of management, I think actually, you know, people might see a bit more out of the likes of Knockhart and Cavalero this season. And I think we've got a a, a striker that given the right service, and, and, and that probably means playing Joe Bryan who can cross the ball, you know, we've got a striker that can baggy 30 goals. So I th- I'm pretty confident I think we've we I can see us winning the league I, and, and I'm never that bullish but I think we've got a really good chance if we can keep 90% of this squad together No, I, I, I agree I, I think we're going to finish in the top two I think it'll be us and West Brom and the reason I'm so confident is is because a financial fair play actually I, I just can't see how with Covid um, over the last couple of years. I don't see how any of the other clubs are going to be able to mount a, a squad that's going to be good enough to compete with us, providing we we keep most of our players. I, I think we might finish in the top two just by default from being, you know, pre, a Premier League outfit last season. I, I, don't, I don't think you need an outstanding manager to win promotion with the squad we've got. I think you need a competent manager. I honestly, I'd say that I think we're, 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 we're for me, we're bookies favorites for a reason. Yeah, I agree. Brilliant stuff. All right, lads. Thanks for that. Tristan really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to go through that with everybody. Um, Hopefully we all understand it a bit more now and to understand what the club's up against when it comes to balancing the books whilst trying to improve the team. Um, yeah, thanks for joining us and thanks, Danny, to you as well, mate. Always good to chat to you. We'll be back next week with a season preview show and then the usual routine starts as the season starts the week after that. It's like we've never been away. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Cheers.